It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Money is Not Evil podcast, where you will learn all about the good money can do for you. We all know knowledge is power, so learn now and then earn. Enjoy. All right, everybody, welcome to today's Book of the Day show. I've got Lewis Howes here. We're going to be talking on the School of Greatness. So, Lewis, thanks for being on, man. I appreciate it, bro. Yeah. So, those of you uh, who don't know Lewis, a lot of you already know who he is. Um, So, he is a man of many talents, athlete, coach, um, moves in awesome social circles, uh, teaches people how to make money online now author, and uh, so I just want to kind of go through here, you know, the title is such a good title, The School of Greatness, which implies that greatness is learned, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people just think it's like greatness is, you're born into it, there's a genetic propensity or whatever, when you were, kind of take us back through this book, like, take us to your darkest day, you know, now you're super successful, take us to like, the turning point where you're like, I want to achieve greatness, even though you were a good athlete growing up and stuff, but there's always that turning point, specifically with maybe making money, or where, what was the darkest day you had? Well, I mean, the darkest days is probably when I was five, when I was sexually abused by a man that I didn't know. Okay. And that was probably the, if you want to go real dark, that was the kind of the starting of it all. What, right. What drove me to be great, to prove people wrong, and to... to kind of have this defensiveness that no one was ever going to hurt me again because I'm going to be the best in the world. Okay. So that was originally where I was coming from. So out of pain. Out Out of of a lot of pain and suffering and just confusion and uncertainty. Why did this happen? Why is this happening to me? Um, Am I worthy enough? All these different questions that I had growing up. So that pain really drove me to be something so that no one would ever hurt me again. Yeah. And then I realized I would achieve all of my dreams all through high school, college, professional football. My dream was to be a pro athlete, to be an All-American. I did all those things. And I remember when I would achieve them, I felt very unfulfilled and very lonely. About okay. 20 minutes after I'd achieved these lifelong dreams, 10, 15 years of working for one thing, I would yeah. be like upset and kind of nasty to be around. And I didn't really understand why until about three years ago when I realized that I was doing it all out of spite and to prove people wrong. Okay. And to prove people that you know bullied me and made fun of me and all these different things growing up, why I was better than them, mm-hmm. and I realized like it wasn't coming from a place of inspiration or so you were reacting, very reactive versus this is what I want to do with my life. Let exactly, me do it. exactly. And when what I, happened three years ago that was like the turning point? You know, I did a I went through a pretty rough breakup. I moved to LA for a girl that didn't work out, okay. and I was totally in love with this girl. Uh, it was just. She's fine. She's a great girl, but it just we weren't supposed to be together. But it was really dramatic process. <clears throat> and as I was going through this, I was I got uh, you know you love basketball. I yeah. love basketball. I was playing a lot of basketball to get this kind of aggression out. I was really frustrated about the relationship. And one day, I was getting nastier and nastier on the basketball court, reacting to a lot of people. And one day, a guy headbutted me, and I put him in the hospital. Okay. And I. Like, it scares me to talk about it today because 
I hate the fact that I got in a fight, that I got to that point where I allowed myself to react mm -hmm. from someone hitting me and then me just taking over and, and getting out of control. Uh, but that woke me up. That shook me up. I mean, he's fine today. I, I put him in the hospital, meaning he had to get stitches. So right. it wasn't like... You didn't kill I, him. I didn't destroy him. But you didn't put him in the morgue. No, I just put a really big cut over his head. You know, we were, we were fighting for a while. And um, that kind of shook me up. I was like, why am I reactive? Why am I guarded in a stupid pickup basketball game here in West Hollywood? Right. When it didn't mean anything. I've played on those courts. It's <laughs> right? easy yeah. to get in a fight. Uh, There's people go out there like, I'm like, dude, exactly. you know you're not in the NBA, right? You know exactly. we're just messing around. Exactly. But still, it's like, it's a pickup basketball game. Yeah. Why react? Right. You can just be like, all right, whatever, next play. Yeah. But something inside of me needed to react to defend myself still. So it was like built up It was built reactions up. Built up. Going back to when you're five, it's like yep. when people do something, I react. I'm triggered. Yeah. Very triggered. So I decided to go to this leadership and emotional intelligence workshop that was essentially a lot of based off of the uh, teachings from, uh, where am I looking at? Daniel Goldman. Daniel Goldman. Yeah, emotional intelligence. I started to do an emotional intelligence training. Okay. Um, I started to do this emotional intelligence training, a lot of the things that he teaches about in his book, Emotional Intelligence, and I started to learn about why I was being that way. Yeah. Why in relationships I was reactive. Why on the basketball court I was reactive. Why in business I was reactive. Like when I felt like someone was attacking me, I wanted to prove them wrong. What was kind of the core diagnosis? It came back to, you know, a lot of the situations from childhood, you know, if we want to like get real about it, that experience, I never really fully let go. I was always okay. holding on to that experience. And then that built on other experiences from kids bullying me, you know, being picked last in sports okay. in elementary school towards my parents going through divorce. I think it's just like they all built. It wouldn't be yeah. one thing. It was like the number of stories that I told myself of what happened yeah. growing up. Yep. And so when I started to just let go of those things and forgive people that I didn't even know and situation and forgive myself, I started to come from a place of, okay, let me create a vision in a powerful place yeah. of a strong foundation of strong principles that's going to serve people and myself instead of proving people wrong yeah. to make myself look good. Yeah. And when I started doing that three years ago, everything has shifted. And, and, and by no means am I perfect. You know, I still am reactive at times. I'm still triggered. Right. Um, but it's a constant awareness now of like, okay, I see what's happening. Let me reconnect to the vision that I have in my business or my relationship and move forward. So now you also teach people. Let's talk about like some of the stuff you teach. So you yeah. teach people how to make money. You've got different courses, yep. teaching people how to make money online. What's the biggest thing? You know, I do stuff on the internet. There's all these people uh, that want to get into the internet business and see the opportunity. What's like, if you had to <laughs> narrow down your philosophy to making money online, what would be one or two kind of core tenets? Yeah. And it could be specific. Sure. I know you do lots of webinars. Yeah. You believe yeah. in. Would you say for someone just starting out or anything in general? Let's start with beginners and let's yeah. do one or two points for advanced people. I would watching. say if you're just starting out, if you're like, how do I make money online? What should I do? Or if you were to say, if you could go back and do it again, what would you do? I would focus on three things. One, I would focus on one specific niche okay. to start. And for me, I used LinkedIn as my catalyst, the tool that I leveraged and spent the most time on. Okay. Now, I dabbled a little bit on the other sites, but I really said, I'm going to know more about LinkedIn than 99% of people. Okay. And I put all my energy into that and then started creating content around that that topic okay and putting myself so teaching there. people how to use linkedin yes. and all that kind of stuff okay. yes yes so i started with one thing at the time this is 2008 there was 
thousands of people talking about social media in general, being yeah. very broad about do these things on Twitter and then use this for Facebook and do this. And they weren't going anywhere. Right. But my business started to really grow because I was focused on the one thing. Yeah. And I became an expert at the one thing. I mean, I knew more about LinkedIn than probably a lot of the people that worked at LinkedIn because yeah. of what I was doing with it. And then I wrote a book about it, you know, spoke about it, and just continued to dive in deeper. What's the book's name if people want The book's called Linked Working. Yeah. Linked Working. So Linked how to working. use LinkedIn. I need yeah. to check that out. That's probably, yeah. of all the social networks, that's probably my weakest you'd probably, one. You'd probably make more on LinkedIn than anywhere else, too, because of the quality of the leads. Something to do, yeah, for sure. Cool. So I uh, People ask me why I do these <laughs> talks. I'm like, I get all the insider information. <laughs> exactly. So that'd be the first thing is to get specific about what you want to um, teach or create in one specific topic. You can grow and expand from that later. Right. You can start to broaden your, your, your teaching or your expertise, but focus on one thing and become known for one thing to start. Yeah. That's what I would say if you're just beginning. Um, the second thing I would say is learn how to use webinars. Learn how to use okay. webinars because I believe it's the easiest way to leverage uh, sales for an audience in the quickest amount of time. You can be in front of anyone from anywhere in the world, you don't have to go anywhere, and you can get a lot of people on. And if you don't know what a webinar is, it's basically an online seminar. Yes. It's, lot, a lot of them are live, sometimes they're pre-recorded, but it's a video, people click on their phone, their computer, yes. they, boom, watch a they come watch a specific subject. Yeah. That's right, that's right. So to come to present and teach something, uh, the third thing I would say, there's actually four things I would do. The third thing I would say is to, the quickest way to make money online, if you're starting out, is to create a course. Yep. It's the least amount of investment. You don't need to be a programmer to develop a software. Um, and you're also gonna make more money than providing a service. So teach your expertise. Yes. If you've so, got expertise in something or you're building expertise. Create a course. Boom. Create a course, there's a lot of free course softwares out there you can use, things like that. So create a course and then sell the course on webinars. Yeah. Uh, and then the fourth thing I would say, if you're just starting out, if you're a beginner, is use one platform to build your audience on to start. Yeah. So don't try to build it everywhere. Start and be you know, the health expert on Periscope or yeah. the health expert on LinkedIn. And yeah. then use that platform to build your network yeah. and generate the leads from that one platform as opposed to spreading it too thin. Uh, so those would be the three or four things to start with. That's awesome. And we're going to, Lewis is going to come in, those of you in the Accelerator, we're going to talk even more because Accelerator is a little more in-depth on this. But I want to keep, want to keep focus on the book here because there's so much you can learn from the book in addition to all this stuff we're talking about yeah. today. So the book, in a nutshell, what is the main reward for somebody mm. who picks up this book and reads it? What are they going to learn? Well, it's a real-world guide to living bigger, loving deeper, and leaving a legacy. And that okay. may seem a little broad, yeah. but that's what you're going to learn. You're going to learn about how to take your life to the next level. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter if you're the college kid who feels like he doesn't know what he wants to do next with his life after yeah. college. He doesn't know if he should start his own thing, go work for someone, what he wants to do, move out of home, go somewhere. It's for the mom who's got two kids and a, and, a, and a husband who wants to build something on the side but doesn't know how to do that. Yeah. She doesn't have the, the confidence. So is it, is it for someone who's more beginners or does it have something for advanced? And is it a little more yeah. focused on one? And or? it's also for someone who's at the top of their game okay. who feels like they haven't been able to, they're on a plateau and they don't know how to get to the next step. Yeah. So it's for anyone who wants to get to that next step no matter where you're at in life. Yeah. 
for people that are achieving great things. And plateauing is the number one killer of all hopes and yeah. dreams. Because usually, tough, I mean, it's like losing weight. People lose five pounds and they can't, they want to lose 20 and they hard. plateau there. It's that last 50 pounds. I want to read from some of the notes that, um, that I took here that I kind of got down, I wrote down. Let's talk about gratitude because I hear people talking a lot about that and you in the book talk about express your gratitude. Yes. So a lot of people think of gratitude now as like, you know, you meditate, you mm. think on how great your life is, but you're talking about the expression of it in a form of giving. So mm. what's like some practical <clears throat> things you do yeah. in your I mean, life? Gratitude and acknowledgement, I think, are co you know, cousins or, or brother and sister. When we express gratitude, we are saying that we are appreciative of what we currently have, as right. opposed to not appreciative of what we don't have. Right. So by expressing it more, either writing it down to ourselves and expressing it to other people, yeah. we are creating a positive cycle, as opposed to just being in a negative place. And it's just, I mean, positivity by itself is a good thing. But gratitude can be so powerful because the more you express it, the more things you'll, be, you'll have to be grateful for. Now, what about, what's the fine line between being, you know, overly satisfied and mm. just going and, and getting stuck at the cycle? But like, ah, I got my job, but I'm right. grateful for this crappy job. I mean, where's the fine right. line? Where do you find that? I think we got to have a powerful vision. You know, I'm, I have a huge vision to serve 100 million people. I know you've got a huge vision. You want to build billion. You told me last time and nothing, it doesn't excite you. It's not a powerful enough vision unless it makes $100 million. Yeah, or has a potential. It's a yeah, potential, yeah, yeah, unless yeah. it's a potential to make that. And so for you, because you want to build something that's powerful for you and inspires you, but also is going to impact, with that $100 million, that's going to be a lot of people involved that right. you're going to serve. And that's probably why you want to have something with that potential so you can build an empire, a team of people who are going to have better lives, who are going to be working on something fun and cool and exciting for them as well. Yeah. It's not just about money for you right. by yourself. That wouldn't be fulfilling. Right. Um, so it starts with a powerful vision. That's why the first chapter speaks into getting clear on your vision. Mm -hmm. And for the mom who's got two kids or, or the 25-year-old you know, the, the who's got the job, you can still just build something on the side. It's scary enough to like leave or do something on the side that you don't know what you're doing. It's still scary enough. Uh, and a powerful enough vision to get started. Mm -hmm. With every success, I think you're going to have bigger and bigger visions because you're not going to be fully fulfilled right. from something small. Right. The human brain has this yeah. 25 cognitive biases. One of them, we have this contrast bias. So the second you, you know, achieve this, and, and some of it's healthy and some's yes. unhealthy. Yes. As long as you control it, it keeps you motivated. But the flip side is you <clears> also have to go this is the moment I have now, even though I'm building towards something bigger, yes. enjoy the moment you I have. Yeah, that's why you want to be grateful for every moment. You know, when I achieved uh, my All-American status in football and the decathlon, I wasn't really grateful. I was like, yeah. what's next? Yeah. I wasn't happy about it. So you didn't it. take that time to enjoy it at all? I was like, this sucks. You yeah. know, I was like, 15 years for this. Yeah. What's, you know, what's next? And I think um, that's just not the, way, the best way to live life. It's not a healthy way to live. Yeah. So if I, I would have wished I would have been like, you know, I'm so blessed and grateful that the last 10, 15 years of hard work paid off. Yeah. Like, man, let me enjoy this moment for a minute and express the gratitude to my coach and my parents for the hard work that they sacrificed. Yeah. And take a moment for that. Yeah. And then reevaluate and ask myself, okay, what's the next season of my life? I look at life like a sport and in sports, you know, you can't play in the playoffs every week yeah. for a, a full year. You'd be exhausted. 
It takes an off-season to get you ready for the preseason. Mm -hmm. The preseason to get you ready for the season, the season for the playoffs. And then you reevaluate, you recover, you reflect. So I look at my businesses, my relationships, uh, the achievements I've had as seasons, yes. and then times to be grateful and celebrate the, the achievements, and then see what's next and evaluate. And yeah. that's okay, you don't have to be at the top all the time. Yeah, Joel Salatin, my first kind of mentor, I was, on a, was a farmer and he said, you know, you've got winter and that's the time when it's dark, but <laughs> you take that time to research. Mm -hmm. Then you have the spring. That's when you plant a lot of seeds, AKA experiment with different things. Some of you watching, you're in winter, things look dark. This is when you gotta get a lot of knowledge. Spring is when you test different things. Summer is with just pure hard work. Yeah. And then finally, when you get to the fall, and the harvest comes in, you gotta take you know, a couple months to enjoy what you have. And then inevitably, dark days come again, <laughs> and you begin to plan again, yeah, and you go through it. It's never gonna be at the top. You know, We go through these seasons in life, I'm sure in your business, you might sell a company and feel like you're on fire, and then the next year you're right. starting something, and there's like every adversity in your way. You're like, why can't it be as easy as a year ago yes. when I was just sold this for 100 million bucks? Why can't this thing be there right now? Yeah. Because everything has a process and a flow. Yes. And I'm, we're in the fall right now. Yep. I'm about to harvest with my book coming right. out. You and put in the hard work. I've been working hard work for years. And now I'm about to harvest and reap rewards. And I'm gonna go through the new year and it's gonna be incredible. I know, I already just, I see all the incredible things that are gonna happen. Yeah. But sometime next year, I might be like for a month or two, like, now what? You yeah. know, or just like, oh, it's over and yeah. now I gotta start again type of stuff. But situation. the takeaway is that some of that's healthy. Yeah. Like, don't freak out when you feel a little depressed. The human body yeah. depression is what kind of pushes you forward and say you're a little bit too stuck, you know? Yes. And that's, why, and that's why I always, gratitude is a daily habit for me in the morning and at night because, and whoever I talk to on the phone or from a relationship, I always ask before I go to bed, what are three things you're grateful for from today? Mm -hmm. I don't care if you had the worst day ever, there's something you can be grateful for. You're still alive, that's one. Yeah. So what are the other two? Yeah. And so I always ask that of someone and then I respond with three things for myself every night. Hmm. And I think that's... Is that like a accountability type person or is it just whoever you're talking to? Whoever I'm talking to. I mean, I was in a relationship for a while that I'm not anymore and I would, you know, I'd ask that every night of yeah. my girlfriend. Uh, and now I just ask whoever I'm talking to on the phone yeah. last at night, that's who I, who I ask. And I think it's so important to rest knowing that, man, there's a lot of good. Even yeah. if I'm in that off season, or even if I'm in that breakup, or even if my, I lost my job, like still there's something to be grateful for. Yeah. I think that's the importance of like understanding that you're gonna go through these seasons, that life is the journey. Yeah. And it's okay when you're depressed or down or things aren't going well, as long as you're being grateful for what you currently have, not being ungrateful for what you don't have. Yeah. Let's go to another note that sure. I wrote down here. So you talk about a lot of the book, obviously you, you know, competed at professional level in sports. Let's talk about hustle, because you say, mm -hmm. It takes more than just hustle to be great. Yeah. But you can't be great without the burning to desire to do what others are unwilling to do. Mm -hmm. And you say, if you could give one piece of advice to a budding entrepreneur, it would be just that one word, hustle. So how do you see hustle used well and improperly used? Because yeah. I see people sometimes, you know, I always give the analogy a restaurant. 
who do you think works hardest at the restaurant? It's the busboy and the kitchen <laughs> staff. But the restaurant owner who might be at home is making the most money. So at a certain sense, if you only, like you say, have mm -hmm. your only tool is hustle, it might not work out as well as I call kind of leveraged hustle. Yeah, smart hustle. Yeah, so, so let's talk, what's your yeah. take on working hard and working smart, and maybe it's a better word, <laughs> working hard, working smart, is yeah. hustle. Yeah, yeah. I think, because uh, there's a lot of people who are hustling but aren't productive. Yeah. They're just doing busy work, yeah. and it looks like they're working really hard, but it's not leveraged, it's not packaged, it's not captured hustle. Yeah. So we could just run around all day and be exhausted at the end of the day and say I had a hard day's work, but if you didn't know how to capture it yeah. into profits, then you're wasting your time. Um, so you've got to be smart. I mean, you're one of the, probably the best at this, is that you're constantly learning and you read like how many, five books a day or whatever you do, <laughs> no, Warren Buffett reads it. <laughs> and you're, you're learning how to capture all the knowledge and all your hard work into profit, into impact as well. Right. You're not just working hard and saying, oh, no, okay, you know, people are gonna pay me, I guess, for this. No, you're learning from people who've done it before on how to capture it. And, um, you know, the amount of money you make is really related to the amount of value you add to the world and how you're able to capture that value. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of teachers out there who probably add a lot of value to kids' lives into the world, but they haven't learned how to capture it because they work really hard at a school that only pays them 40 grand a year. Right. So they haven't learned how to think outside the box and use their teaching like someone like me and you would do online to generate millions. Right. Right. We learn the new tools. We learn the new ways that how we can capture and leverage the hustle. So staying kind of on the cutting edge. That's it, yeah. Figuring out new things, getting out of the, the system. Um, so I would say really the best way to do this for me is to find, you talk about mentors constantly whenever I'm around you, is to find the mentors who have learned how to capture the hustle. Because mm -hmm. every mentor that you're gonna connect with who has achieved some type of success has worked their butt off to get there. Mm -hmm. But they've learned how to capture it along the way. Mm -hmm. So learn from them what they did. Continue to educate yourself, whether it's through books, podcasts, videos, any of these things on how to do it. But you cannot get there without that hustle. So as we kind of wrap up here, mentors that made the biggest difference in your life, mm -hmm. whether they helped you in the book or help you in sports yeah. or help you in business? Who have been a few kind of? Guys you wouldn't know, but. But uh, well, that's good, it yeah, could be yeah. somebody. Yeah, yeah, I had a JV basketball coach. I was so mad my freshman year in high school. I, sh I felt like I should have been on the varsity. I was okay. like schooling these seniors, right? Cause I was, I was this tall when I was 14. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I should have been on the varsity, but I made the JV team. They said, we want you to really get a year under your belt before you're on the varsity. And there was seven players on the JV team. So it was perfect because we got to play constantly. But that meant that when we practiced, we needed like extra guys to come practice to do five on five. Mm -hmm. So we had older guys come practice with us. And my coach for the team, who was probably 35 at the time and a great basketball player, played with us during practice. And he always guarded me because he knew I had a temper. Mm -hmm. And he knew I had kind of an attitude and this defensiveness like growing up, right? Like I told you that. He would guard me and elbow me and just like stick it to me but he also just taught me great lessons about how to rise above it in the game mm -hmm. and how to not let people get you back when it matters mm -hmm. you know i wish i would have had remembered it when i was in the basketball court here in Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> but when, when it really matters he was right. like you cannot let these players get in your head otherwise the refs are going to foul out every time yeah and you can never be great if you do that 
Yeah. And so he really taught me how to overcome any emotions I had when it really mattered. Yeah. To rise above and uh, to handle when anyone was attacking me because he knew that was my trigger. Yeah. So he was a great mentor in that respect. And then when I got injured playing football, I had three key mentors that helped me in professional speaking and writing books and in online branding and packaging. And they were incredible in giving me the tools early on and the wisdom for doing everything that I've done now. It was kind of the And they catalyst. cut the learning curve for you. People cut always ask me curve. why you didn't want mentors. I'm like, well, you can learn on your own. It yes. just takes an extra decade. Here's what it did, though. It cut the learning curve because they challenged me. They all gave me a challenge. And through the challenge, I spent a year to two years taking massive action basically on homework they would give me. So mm -hmm. it wasn't just like I would go and learn from them and they would just tell me their answers and then right. I was it. What's an example like something? That yeah, so one of them <clears throat> said, I said, I'm terrified of speaking, but one day I want to inspire millions of people around the world. I don't know how I'm going to do this, yeah. but I want to do it. He said, you've got to learn how to effectively communicate in front of a large audience. Okay. If you want to move people with your message, you're going to have to be able to do it on stage at some point. And... What you're going to need to do for the next year is go to Toastmasters. This mm -hmm. guy was a professional speaker. He was getting paid to speak. He said, you need to go to Toastmasters every week and stand up every week and present mm. and just practice and mm -hmm. hone your craft of overcoming your fear. I couldn't stand in front of five people at that time. I was mm -hmm. terrified. And every week I went for a year from writing my speech out word for word and looking down the entire time, not being able to look up anyone, mm -hmm. to at the end of the year having no notes, in front of the podium, full confidence to be able to present mm. with effective communication. But I took the challenge, the homework, and I ran with it every week and then came back and told them the results. I filmed myself, I would watch it, analyze it. I was doing a lot of work and hustling to get to a place a year later. Mm. So it's not just like I learned this theory and he told me some things right. and then I read the book about public speaking. It's like I lived it yeah. for a year. I became it. Yeah. And that's the difference maker. Yeah, that's awesome. Toastmasters, by the way, for those of you watching, it's a cool thing. It's a little local. Yeah. They have them local all over. You can learn to. It's like 50 bucks a year. Something yeah. Like that, yeah. Now, if people want to. Now, so I've read the book. You need to read the book. Uh, and this is the. I had the this free is the, copy. You're this one is of the first people copy. who has the. Oh, really? This is, awesome. I just got these last week. Nice. It's the finished so one. reach out, Amazon. Barnes and Noble, Brookstones, The School of Greatness, Lewis Howe. Now, if people want to follow you, Twitter, Insta, what's the best? At, at Lewis Howe's on Instagram and everywhere online, and lewishowes.com. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on. Hi. This is good. Appreciate it, man. And uh, leave a comment. Number one thing, leave a comment on what's an example in your own life uh, where you haven't yet put into practice something that you learn from a mentor. Because like Lewis said, it's not just learning. I, I call it the KSE formula. It's K, you get the knowledge. You watch you know, a talk like this or listen to a podcast. You read Lewis's book. Second, you strategize. So that's the process, like you said, at Toastmasters. You writing out. Yes. You gotta apply it to yourself. And then last but not least, execute. The KSE formula, knowledge, strategy, execution. So what's an area of your life where you can improve on just not having knowledge or not maybe just executing without knowledge? How can you pull those all together like Lewis did, for example, with Toastmasters? Leave a comment there, and uh, I will talk to you guys soon. See you.